Sorry, my friend. He's a bad cop. I'm a good cop. Okay. You can trust me. I won't be on the show. I'm gonna be on the show. I'm gonna be the star of the show. You started off as the bad cop, so now you're the good one. Hope this movie doesn't suck ass. It will. <laughs> now you're the good cop. Oh my god. The moral is you're a total bitch. How are you holding up? Because I'm a potato. It certainly does suck. Isn't there supposed to be a good cop? Hope you boys brought popcorn. Because I'm about to put on a show. Welcome to back to another episode of Good Pop, Bad Pop, number 21. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer reviews food and everyone gets fat. Except you're all getting fat on TV. Because of Ben. That was a long one. That was a stretch. <laughs> that was fine. You, you like everything and everyone watches too much Netflix. Yeah, I guess, yeah. 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 Today we have uh, coverage of Tropfest. World's biggest short movie contest? Festival? Yep, festival, I guess, yeah. Um, I've got a review for Netflix's DC Titans. Mm-hmm. We have a review of Big Mouth, a Valentine's Day special. Yes, My Fairy Valentine. And M has a special segment for us. Do you want to tell us what that is? I do, I do. <laughs> Let me just take you away for a minute. This <clears throat> Spotted. M on the Upper East Side trying to fit in. Can she and Lonely Boy break through to the id crowd, or will they be forever stuck behind the looking glass? Careful, M. Netflix will stop you if you watch too many episodes in a row, and Blair will watch you fall down the rabbit hole. XOXO. Yes, that is right. I have been binge-watching Gossip Girl. Um, If you do not know what Gossip Girl is, I will be filling you in all about that a little bit later on. Um, and that's literally just been my life. I have been doing nothing but watching that. There are six seasons, and I watched all of them in about a week and a half. <laughs> it's true. When I'd come back home, Anne would be like, how are you? And I'd be like, I'm whatever. And you'd be like, ah, oh, this happened to fucking Dan. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you were really into it. It's like I was there. I was living the gossip girl. What have um, you been doing? <laughs> so, different things. <laughs> I didn't get to watch Disappointing. Most, I didn't watch Gossip, Gossip Girl. Um, a bit all over the place. I've got some plane reviews. Reviews that are plane. Of planes. Big 747 fan. No. <laughs> got it all wrong. It's Terry's plane reviews that are on a plane, but not actually plane. Yep. So what's on uh, this week in Terry's plane reviews that are actually playing but are on a plane? Okay, first off the rank, I watched Aquaman, mm. the man who lives underwater. Yeah. I've always... Oh, not SpongeBob? No, he might have been in it. There was a lot, so of, a lot of things. So I watched Aquaman. Um, I loved it. I'm surprised that I loved it. Hmm. Yeah, the only DC movie I've even remotely liked is Wonder Woman. Yeah, good movie. BVS had some camp cool stuff, but no, overall it was shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's just terrible. And Suicide Squad was the was an abomination. It was a hot mess that was. Yeah, and I'm not super into any of the Superman. So Aquaman being good was actually surprising. I wonder if this is like a strategy that they make over there at DC. They're like, maybe we'll just waste millions making terrible movies. So then when we make an okay movie, people will think it's spectacular. Yeah, like lull them into a false sense of security. Give them the old one too. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good good plan going forward. <laughs> I don't think that's a good marketing strategy, guys. But it's very obvious what they worked out to do 
to make the movie mildly good. Um, and basically, they looked around and went, what's Marvel doing? And at the time they made Aquaman, Thor would have been the best thing in Marvel. Mm. So they should have called this movie Aquaman, the closest thing we have to Thor. Aquathor. Aquathor. Or Aquaman. Thor, but wet. <laughs> what else did I have? I got one more. Aquaman. It's Thor, but Loki is the good guy. <laughs> Which was basically the premise of Aquaman. Okay, um, right. So they stole a lot of beats from the Thor movies. Um, mm. They turned Aquaman, he's kind of a bro. Not as bro-tastic as um, Hemsworth, but okay. pretty much a bro. A New Zealand bro. Because, you know, Momoa. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Stylistically, Atlantis was very similar to Asgard. Very pretty. Lots yeah. of lights. They have the whole thing, you know, once you have your aqua person sight mm-hmm. aqua person atlanteans there we go um they can see all Good the colors stuff. and everything looks great um the whole premise is lots of family drama and arguing about half bloods and there was a lot of emphasis on acquisition of your trident slash acquisitions acquisitions <laughs> no um <laughs> and like how thor had to get his hammer Aquaman has to get his trident. Yeah, sorry. Um, and the overall theme was lessons about humility being important to be a leader, because we're all arguing about who should be the king of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty good. It was very fast, lots of action pieces, and pretty like most of it's pretty good. Now, I'm still miffed on what Aquaman's deal with, because he's mostly underwater and kicking ass, and but then he's on land and kicking ass too? Like, does he just... It's like Davy Jones' locker rules where he carries around a glass of water. And like, I'm now indestructible because I have my, you know, my bottle. <laughs> it's weird. I have a weird question because I don't really know anything at all about Aquaman. Uh, he's got legs, right? Yes. Does he get a tail in the water or does he just always have legs? No, they just always have legs. Okay. Do they, do well, they have gills? Like, I need to understand how this actually works. They don't show gills. He just is underwater. So they just what, imply gills. The, um, they give a bit of the back story of what happened and atlantis sinks yeah you know like atlantis is doomed to do and there was like seven factions so that the atlanteans which are the humanoid mermaidy vibe people okay but, but not actually mermaids. not actually mermaids okay. and there was um whatever there was seven underwater groups or clans that right. had to unite for whatever reason are they mermaids some were yes oh okay okay so, so some were very mermaid people, okay, right. a bit fishier. Some were crab people, some were monster zombie things. And yeah, taste like crab, talk like people, crab people. Um, and so <laughs> they have all these different factions and it plays into the politics of it. And I thought this was really interesting. Um, and they all go to war and stuff escalates. I'm more concerned about how there is humanoids... And also mer people, and then people that are sort of in between, like, what's going on there? Well, they all evolved in different directions, because this was a long time ago. Evolved, huh? Yeah, evolved to crabbiness, or fishiness. Seems fishy or... to me. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of uh, intraspecies business going on there. They didn't really fixate on that part. There was people, like, dating, but they were of... They were only really Atlanteans. We didn't get any crab sex or anything. <laughs> crab sex. <laughs> Maybe in the sequel. <laughs> but, um... The porno nobody wanted. <laughs> my my favourite bit, though, was, um... My boy so... protest crabs. The sequel to Aquaman. <laughs> it's like, uh... What was the movie won an Oscar about fish sex? Ah, oh, um... Ah. Uh... 
Shape of Water? Color of Water? Yeah, Shape of Water. Shape of Water. Oh, I like that movie. That was a good movie. The fish sex movie. Yeah. I mean, as good or bad as it was, it was um, the fish sex movie. <laughs> well, yeah. There was not. This was a kids movie. Well, you know, like a superhero movie. <laughs> there was implied romanticness, flirtation, but no fish sex. Maybe, to everyone's detriment. Like Maybe that was the prequel to Aquaman. Shape of Water. Mm. Well, set a while ago, I think. Actually, I've yeah. missed, missed the most important one. There was oh. some interspecies oh. happenings. So, if you remember the first Superman, and it has Superman's dad, played by Russell Crowe? Sure. Russell Crowe, and that was cool. They've done a similar thing with a celebrity superhero parent. Mm. So, Nicole Kidman plays Aquaman's mother. Right. And his whole origin story is she escapes Atlantis for whatever reason. This is the intro. This isn't a spoiler. Okay. Um, and she comes on land to hang out and meets... Um, Prince Eric? Ah, wrong no, movie. Aqu- Aquaman's dad. And they live together. Mr. Aquaman. Mr. Man. Aquaman's my father. <laughs> Mr. Man. Aqua's my middle name. <laughs> and is a lighthouse keeper. And they get along and have an Aquaman baby. Mm. Um, and I didn't know I needed this, needed this in my life, but eventually the Atlanteans come to take back Nicole Kidman and she just pulls a giant trident and just starts stabbing everyone. And Sweet. You, you didn't know you needed it until you saw Nicole Kidman with a trident murdering fools. It was so good. Awesome. Yeah. But, um, yeah, movie's good. I actually do recommend it, mm. which was quite surprising. I can't quite say that for my next ocean-themed movie. Oh, yes? I watched The Meg. Ah. Unrelated content? Unrelated. Separate movie? <laughs> no. It's, um... I, as you should all know, I love a good bad movie culture, and I got this one got flagged as a good bad movie. But it was a bad good movie and also a bad bad movie. It was yeah. not a good good movie or a good bad movie. Just a bad bad? Yes. Damn. So this one, I mean, the trailer says it all. Um, deep sea exploration base. They go a bit too deep and stir up something. Dun, and dun, dun. a megalodon gets loose yeah. and causes a ruckus, which is a giant prehistoric shark. And kills a bunch of people and, you know, sharks. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Enter Jason Statham, who's a deep sea... It was weird. His job was deep sea rescue. I didn't realize he was in this. Now yeah, I, Jason Statham's the main guy. Now I hate this movie even more. <laughs> well, you weren't going to watch it because there's sharks in now it. I'm double not going to watch it because yeah. that guy sucks. I hope that they did eat him. So they have this guy whose job is to get like, a submersible goes down to rescue people on a submarine, I guess. Right. And Jason Statham's the guy in charge of that. And he's the guy. It's like the intro to Armageddon where like they need miners <laughs> so they go get Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck. Like... He was the guy. It's so weird. Um, it was not tense at all. It was like borderline PG. It was so that's weird. Not exciting. Like there was no tension with the shark murdering people. It was just a mess. Um, and every scene that was like a thrillery scene, you knew the outcome. Just the way the the scene was shot. You're like, they're going to get away at the last minute. This guy is about to get nommed, and you could mm. pick every single one a mile away. Yeah. Like, the bad guy's like, phew, I got away! And then the <laughs> shark noms him. Like, it's so obvious, and right. that was disappointing. 
And everyone was way too chill about this giant effing shark. They're like, oh, we've got to kill this shark. It's it's trouble. Mm. Like, oh, we've got to put a tracker on it. And it's like, oh, well, we can't approach it with a boat. It attacks boats. Like, oh, we've got to swim. And Jason Sam's like, I'll do it. And he just like... First of all, what the hell is the logic behind that? It'll eat a boat, but it's not going to eat a person swimming to it? That's yeah. the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. I'll just swim out if it's going to eat a whole boat. Who won't yeah. see me? And so old mate jumps yeah. in the water, swims over, is like, I'll throw a harpoon at it. It's a... 30 meter long shark <laughs> stupid and then the shark comes for him for him and he's like oh shit i didn't think this through like no one thought anything through ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i can't recommend the meg it wasn't even good on bad movie merits zero out of five fish fingers yeah and it's a shame i've lost uh, fingers. like a bit of a admission i've never seen a jaws movie oh really any of them but one of my favorites in terms of thrillery shark movies is deep blue sea I love that movie. That one I have seen, which somehow did not scare me as much as I thought that it would, given my massive phobia of sharks and deep water. Although mm. I guess maybe because it was in a lab, there wasn't so much deep water. <laughs> but that, that the sharks in that were terrifying. Yeah. And it normed Samuel L. Jackson, it was great. Um, Spoilsies for Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> oh, it's a 15-year-old movie. Harden up, listeners. <laughs> but that's Terry's plain reviews for plain movies interesting side note just building a bit of um news of the week and talking of aqua movies involving sharks i see that tommy Wiseau is making a shark movie he's obviously saw the mega went that would be a good idea i'll make my own shark movie it's gonna tear him apart it is <laughs> you're tearing me apart sharky <laughs> so, i, so I bet it came from an out-of-state bank <laughs> <laughs> oh hi shark also, the, the movie's called Big Shark. Is it really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so sold. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently it's set in New Orleans, where he's initially from. So, well, yeah. at, at one era from. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it's a debate for another day. But, um, <laughs> yes, I haven't watched the trailer for that yet. Is it a trailer they released or just an announcement that they're making it? Uh, I'm not actually sure. I think just an announcement. There could be a trailer, but I think it's just an announcement for Big Shark. I'm very excited about this. I haven't even seen Best Friends Part 2 yet, which was the Greg mm. Sestero slash Tommy Wiseau one. So he has projects coming up, which is He's good. a busy man. Um, so that was my plane movies. I've also done a little bit of gaming. Oh, yes? Yes. Uh, two main ones. Um, PlayStation Plus this week had For Honor by Ubisoft mm-hmm. for free. So it's like... Vikings versus Samurai versus Knights. And it's got a really like elaborate combat system where you have your guard and you use your thumbsticks to sort of angle your weapon to kind of block stuff. And it's a big sort of battling game. So I've been dicking around with that a bit. And that's been fun. Very visceral. Very violent. Ooh. All about the executions and combos and stuff. I'd imagine the PvP would be psychotic. But um, I probably won't get into that playing the single player mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the big news of the week was the release of apex legends by respawn yeah now respawn you would know because they made titanfall oh. but they just dropped a battle royale game out of nowhere called How apex random. legends yeah so it's kind of like I've seen a few people playing it um across the twitter sphere this mm. week so, a few interesting things. It's mm. free-to-play, so they're Great. going for Fortnite's kind of niche where you it's free-to-play and you pay for cosmetics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's currently three-people squads, 
Okay. So, you know, you got to play in a team. There's rumors they're going to add single and duos, but currently threes only. And they've gone the hero route, like Overwatch. So you pick a class. Oh. So some are mobility-based, where you grapple around. Some are healers. Some are, you know, uh, recon people. And you build your team and in you go. Um, I played two matches. Mm-hmm. And my second match, I won it all. Oh, good yeah, job. Yeah, got the win. Now, this was quite funny because I'm running around not knowing what I'm doing. And it's like, you win. And, I'm, and it comes up with my two teammates who had a bazillion kills and Corduroy, which is my gamer guy, is, um, ah, oh, you know, zero kills, zero damage done. So they just took you along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, I, I thanked them profusely on the <laughs> mic and went about my day. I'm like, thanks for the carry, guys. Oh, that nice. was, yeah. So if you play Titanfall, the, the noteworthy things were kind of the parkour, wall-running stuff, and the big robot titans, mm. neither of which are in this game. So it's interesting, because everyone loves it, because it had zero hype. It just got dropped, and it's going very pop- It's like very popular at the moment. Whereas if they went, the makers from Titanfall are making a battle royale without all the cool things that Titanfall had, everyone would be like, boo. Mm-hmm. So interesting how they're having success by not hyping it. Yeah. Um, if I do play another game, hopefully I will land a bullet. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. <laughs> and, and participate. Um, I died in the middle, and my teammate picks up your something or other, and they've yeah. got to take your something or other to a respawn point to bring you back in the game. Um... So I spent the whole middle of the game just watching my team slowly roll around and then res me, and then I'm like, I'm back! And then it's like, you win! I'm like, yay! <laughs> Good job! Yeah, so a bit of gaming there. Um... That's all I've been up to. Yeah, yeah. What section do you want to do first, Em? You want to do Trop first? Um, yeah, I guess let's chat a bit of uh, Trop first, shall we? Alright, after the break, Em is going to tell us about Trop first. Welcome back. I went to Tropfest over the weekend. The... While I was watching the Meg. Yeah, while uh, T was watching the Meg on a plane. Um, so I was at Tropfest repping the team. Um, what is Tropfest first? Tropfest is the world's largest short film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, films need to be under seven minutes, and every year there is a new theme to abide by. Uh, this year was candles, so a candle had to be featured or in the story or whatever. And this was so you could... It was to verify you made the movie specifically for the competition. That's the rule. Oh, there you go. I did not know that. Yeah. Like, it's not just a th- Like, none of the movies are about candles. You just have to have the candle in it to show you mm-hmm. are making it for the competition. Because mm-hmm. I remember the one year I watched it a long time ago, the theme was Umbrella. So if you didn't have an umbrella, they'd say you weren't making it for the competition. And oh, right. it was illegible. There you go. Mm. Um, so that is the reason behind the theme, uh, friends. So... Um, I went to Tropfest. The event itself was a mild disaster. Um, it was held in Parramatta Park this year in New South Wales. And we had a bunch of storms and a storm came through and just destroyed the um, screen and venue. Uh, luckily, they were able to move it to the other side of the park and they had these two small screens to their detriment um, because some films were actually a little bit hard to see some details were lost so I think that was uh, a bit unfortunate in saying that I think they did a really good job um, recovering from it Um, although myself and my friend got very lost trying to leave the park because they Mm. did not light up all of the exits so um, maybe that's 
another movie of Maybe. escaping Parramatta Park. Well, I think so. Now I'm going to make like a, a Blair Witch themed Parramatta Park film for next year. Um, if the theme is murder, got you covered. No, you didn't tell me you murdered anyone. <laughs> no, I will get murdered making the yeah. film. Th- things are grim in West Sydney. Yeah, well. Um, anyway, so that was Tropfest. Uh, they had a media tent. I was not in it, but next year <laughs> I'm aiming to get in that tent. you got to work those contacts, contacts, Em. Yeah, well, it was very disappointing. There was I have about, a podcast. Well, yeah, well, yeah, we do media stuff. Uh, there was about 40 chairs in there, and I think I saw about three people sitting in it, and I'm just like, oh, that wasted back support. So uh, that was a shame. <laughs> uh, so the event itself was interesting. They talked a lot about having, um, you know, food trucks. They had three. Um, so it was a bit of a, a fire festival situation. Um <laughs> topical humour, which they also addressed on stage, which was hilarious. Um, So anyway, went to Trop Fest, 16 finalists this year. I don't know if that's what it is every year, but that's what they had this year. Um, I'm only going to talk through about five or six of them, including the winner. Um, It's really quite hard to give a score out of five to finalists because they're all really good. Uh, and one thing, and that I do have an issue with the one that won for this reason. So the one that won um, was called B-U-T-4, and it was um, directed and produced by Brendan Pinchers. It was like a documentary-style short film about a street, ast- street artist in Melbourne and the sort of sketches that they do on a train and that they then paint them and put them up um, near a bridge or something. I am actually. This is the only one I've watched. Yeah, actually, well, no, I've seen two. two of them. Yeah, you watched the winner and the runner-up. And this one was such arty Melbourne wank. <laughs> well, okay. Here's the problem that I have with it. Like, first of all, straight off the bat, I'm not really into short films about human interest things. I definitely think they're interesting and worth watching. But um, you know, if someone said to me, "What's your favorite film?" I probably am not going to give you the name of a documentary. <laughs> Yeah, it feels the whole challenge is the seven-minute format and telling a story in seven minutes. Yeah. And this one was just a little doco segment. Which I think they, they still did a good job at telling a nice, um, beautiful story in that time. But I don't know how you can compare something like a human interest documentary short film to a short film that is a completely start-to-finish story. Hmm. Um, so there's a bunch of different styles of films that people make. So they make human interest documentaries, they make other documentaries, they make a fully contained story, like a, a full film just in seven minutes. Others um, spend it telling one particular joke, like a big build-up and then a joke at the end. Um, there's lots of different ways that, that you can make a short film, same as you can with any big film. But I think in the short format, it allows you to do so much more. Um, and in saying that, the runner-up... Uh, Comicant, which I'll get into a bit more later, uh, was a fully contained film. So I'm like, well, how can you really compare these two totally different styles of film for the same award? Mm. Um, So I found that to be really challenging. And like I said, because human interest stories aren't really my jam, I didn't really rate this as a particularly high one. Now, my other problem with this is that... um, I feel like this film piggybacked on the back of another artist. So I think the story itself of this artist was fascinating and a story that definitely should be told. And sure, film is probably a great way to do that. 
But are we awarding the street artist or right. are we awarding the cinematographer, producer, director? So the street artist was an interesting person. Yeah. And someone made a movie about a uh, seven minute short and an interesting person and he then wins 30,000 bucks and a yeah. car and stuff in Tropfest. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. And and the street artist might not mind because they make a big point of wanting to be anonymous anyway. So they might, you know, they might not be about that life. But I, I just sort of think, ethically, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think that's great. Um, but I think The Street Artist was wonderful and it was good to see, you know, that kind of stuff brought to light a bit more. Like if you made a doco that won a competition about Banksy, you, you're not good. Banksy's interesting. Like, Yeah, like even a, a shit movie about Banksy would be pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so, so that was the other thing I had a bit of a mild issue with. I'm like, all right, what are we actually celebrating here? And is it kind of riding the coattails of someone else who's already interesting and successful? Um, another thing that I sort of noticed with this film was how it was made. It was filmed exactly like a wedding video. So I don't know if this person does wedding uh, videography in their spare time or whether or not that's just the way that you film things to capture certain details to tell someone's story. So it's probably more the latter. Um, while I do have film experience, I don't have film experience in terms of how to film for narratives and details. Mm. So maybe that's just a thing people teach you, which therefore carries over both of those things. Um, so that was the other thing I noticed, which was um, which was interesting. So so that's sort of where I'm at with the winner. Do you have any other thoughts about um, the winning Tropfest film, Beautiful? No, no. Tell me about what other ones you liked. Okay, so um, the runner-up made my top five. It's called Comic-Cant, so I definitely recommend watching that one. It is um, directed by Rory Kelly and produced by Sarah Sutherland. And um, it's a it's a great front-to-back story, and I really respect that for a seven-minute film. I think that's quite difficult to film a journey like that. Um, and it's made in conjunction with the Roller Coaster Theatre Company, who hire actors with disabilities, um, who all did fantastic jobs acting, uh, like all the actors in all the films, uh, throughout Tropfest. And what I really liked about this story is it's a very bold story of adventure and friendship. And so it's already filled with themes in the first two minutes of uh, of the film. And it comes full circle. It was very lovely. Uh, there's fantastic comedic timing in both the editing and from the actors in the film. Um, it's about uh, two best friends who are trying to get to like a... Um, like a Comic-Con. Like a Comic-Con festival thingy. Um, and the, the adventure that ensues in trying to get there and, and get in. Um, and I could very much relate to that on a very fandom level, so I liked that as well. It was very appealing to myself. And, yeah, again, great for a fully contained story. So I gave that four and a half out of five. Uh, I gave all the all the really good ones, I gave four and a half out of five, because I'm like, I don't know how to give five out of five for something. <laughs> I find that really difficult. Um, and that was the one that came right up. Now, one of my other favorites was the first one that I saw over the evening called Dad to the Bone directed by Simon Fowler and produced by Josh Sanford. Now, if you like puns, <laughs> T, you will love this short film. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I think I like puns, but I hate you pun. <laughs> well, that's on you. So, uh, anyway, it's filled full of uh, puns and dad jokes, and the, the general premise of the story, it's a little bit like thrillery horror vibe to start with. Um, this dad's cornered these four young gentlemen trying to work out, um, you know, who this pregnancy test belongs to from his daughter is interrogating them and, and trying to sort of work it out. And uh, and the way that they kind of do that with dad jokes is really hilarious. And it's got a nice little fun joke at the end there as well. 
So I definitely recommend that. Four and a half out of five. Um, another one which I adored is the short film Crush. Now, um, Crush is directed and produced by Leela, by Leela um, Fargis. I think that's how you say it. And it's a queer comedy about getting an unrequited crush. I think it's something we can all relate to. Um, so there's this girl who, um, you know, falls madly in love with this girl who works at a, a candle shop. There's your candle. Mm. Um, and it's it's super adorable. It's gorgeous. It has a diverse cast. It's goofishly sweet. Um, and there's there's a lot of sort of segments in it that's very much like the Dreamweaver scenes in Wayne's World. Mm. Like lots of very slow motion, hair flicking, dramatic music. Um, so it was a lot of fun. And it's just really cute. A little bit sad at the end. Um, and, yeah, beautiful. So, four and a half out of five. <laughs> Notes to Selma is another great short film that I saw at Trop First. Now, Notes to Selma is directed by Michael Noonan and produced by um, Raul Regoza and Nelly Castillo-Aranza. And this was a much more kind of serious, sad film. Um tells a good story in it. It's a bit of a mystery at first as to what's going on. There's this older woman um, who's following all these notes as she gets up. You know, the first, I think the first one says, you know, have breakfast or something like that, or feed the cat. And then there's all these notes to set her around her day, and it's got these kind of like weird memento vibes to it, you know, with all the little notes. Um, and I think she might have Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that. Uh, but it's, yeah, very sweet, very sad, and oh, it'll just it tugs at your heartstrings, something fierce, and so it'll make you a little teary. So if you want to see something a bit emotional, check that one out. Um, and that one I actually gave 4.525 out of 5. <laughs> just to elevate it uh, higher than the other ones. Uh, I think so, but in saying <laughs> that, it still wasn't my favourite. It's just that it just made me have a lot of feelings. Okay. So that's one if you want to get your, your tear on. Where can you watch all these? I don't know. <laughs> Full disclosure, I don't know. Um, SBS do have a link to like a little... Um, I don't know what they sort of made with it, like a... Um, not like a... What would you call the thing that... You know, like how you watch them? What like is a that? live... Facebook live. Yeah, yeah, it was a Facebook live event. So they have like little interviews with either the actors or the directors or the producers before they show it. Annoying thing is with it though is that they don't have all the films timestamped, so you've got to sort of flick through and figure out what's where. So I'm hoping that there's going to be an easier way to see these films. And the whole thing's three hours too, so you can't just go, oh, I'll just watch all of them. It's a yeah, long so I mean, yeah, I mean, you could, but it'd take a long time. Um, so hopefully someone at least puts a, an upvoted comment with the timestamps or something like that, um, or that there'll be an easier way to watch them later. Um, so I do have two honourable mentions for Trop First. Um, one is called Barry, and it was directed and produced by Emma Vickery. Any relation to the HBO Barry? Sadly, no. <laughs> um, I like this one because it was a bit of a black comedy. Um, both of them, both like of HBO's the- Barry. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, so both of my honourable mentions are black comedies. It's a black and white film. It was all shot in one day, and I have great respect for anything shot in one day, because that's definitely what I would do, but mostly because I'm lazy. Uh, but I think it's very hard to do, so I was very impressed that they managed to um, to get that in and become a finalist. So they're two funeral directors, and they've got to get uh, buried to the cemetery on time from the funeral. Now, given I say this is a black comedy, and there is um, a dead body in Times of the Essence, you can already tell that... Um, adventures and mishaps are going to ensue so i got some real death at a funeral vibes from this and it was a it was a good kind of comedy piece um with two drivers just sort of talking shit at their day job like just you know 
having a chat. And for the, for that sort of thing, it, it very much sounded like no activity as well. That same kind of thing of two people just sitting in a car at work talking about mundane crap. Uh, the only reason why I, this had a slightly lower score, I gave this 4 out of 5, because it did end a bit abruptly for me. Um, I didn't quite get what happened at the end. I would like to watch it again. Uh, so honourable mention for Barry. Now, my other honourable mention is another um, black comedy tale called Can You Hear Me? Directed and produced by Rama Nichols, uh, Rama Nicholas and Adam McKenzie. Now, this one um, starts off really nice. Like, there's an older lady at the doctor's and she's getting a hearing aid for the first time. And so all of a sudden she can hear things. She goes to the park and listens to birds. It's very lovely. And she decides to surprise her family who are coming over for dinner. And she's like, oh, you know, I'll wait for the perfect moment. I'll tell them I got this hearing aid. Um, anyway, so her family come over and they're all assholes. Like, they're just saying awful things about her. Oh. Uh, yeah, you know, it's really heartbreaking. Like, it's so bad. But she gets some really good revenge. Um, so that was a bit of a fun one to watch just to see how much she sort of gets her own back in a morbid kind yeah. of way. <laughs> um, so honorable mention for that. Uh, I think I also gave that four and a half out of five. So they are my, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, five, six favorites. From Would the you recommend shops. going to a Trop Fest event or you think just belt them all out on the internet? I, I did like going. Uh, Eric Banner was there, so I get to oh, yeah. say that I saw Eric Banner, and I feel pretty Hulk. cool. I did. I did. <laughs> I bet he loves being <laughs> the Hulk was yeah. his big role. Yeah. I keep thinking about him as Chopper myself. Or Poiter. Yeah, that too. Um, which a lot of people keep shouting. Mostly Poiter. Mostly your friends. <laughs> oh my god, did they? Yeah, they did. Uh, I, 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 sorry, I can see it exactly yeah. what happened. <laughs> So uh, I do recommend going because it's a it's a fun night out, and I guess it depends on the venue as to you know the experience you'll get. But we got to all sit on you know, picnic blankets with chairs and snacks, and it was a it was a good day out. You get to see lots of short films. Uh, you can bring dogs. That part was nice. I enjoyed that. Cool. So that is my Trop Fest wrap for this year in 2019. Until next year. Till next year. Coming up next, our Valentine's special featuring Big Mouth. First, I set myself a task just on this Valentine's Day theme, mm-hmm. and I'm like, here's the top ten romantic movies that I like. Oh, now, well, we could have done this in a whole other episode. Well, no, because the problem is, number one was Cruel Intentions, obviously. Okay. Two through ten were all Adam Sandler movies, so I did away with the project pretty quick. <laughs> Look, honestly, they're probably a lot of mine too, so <laughs> let's revisit this next week. I love this plan. I mean, you got Wedding Singer, Fifty First Dates. Wedding Other Singer ones. is solid. Other yeah. ones. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not going to do a full Valentine's Day thing. Oh, why not? Because I, I hate be those nice. movies. I just love Cruel Intentions because it was so sad. But I think we would... You love sad things. I, I think we could uh, we could have fun with it, so let's, um, well, let's not be too quick to dismiss... Little Nicky was beautiful. Yeah. Think of the butterflies. <laughs> Think of the butterflies. Not a mother, little Nicky voice. No. You lost it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Think of the butterflies. A for effort. Oh, I need a line. You need more side mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Anyway, we're not talking about Little Nicky. Otherwise, I'll spend an hour doing Little Nicky impressions. 
Watts Reefer. Um, Side episode coming later. What we did watch was um, Big Mouth Valentine's Day episode. 40 minute, double length, single hit episode of Big Mouth. My Fairy Valentine is what it's called. Yeah, as we're in the gap between season two and three. Mm -hmm. Now, the themes were all about dating and the good things and bad things and different types of dating. And well, it's about not just dating, but different types of love yeah. as well. And it was pretty dark. <laughs> Would you expect anything yeah. else? Yeah, so it was, you know, standard Big Mouth comedy. We're big Big Mouth fans, so it was all pretty funny. But um, plot lines included Jay trying to balance sleeping with so many inanimate objects. Of different genders. Of different genders. Yeah. Which was a funny gag last season. It got oh. a bit... <laughs> First of all, I just want to preface that we're probably going to have a bit of a uh, spoiler cast for this episode. So if you don't want to hear anything about this and want to skip to our next segment, um, probably cut to about, mm, say, exactly 48 minutes. Go. So this was a running joke last season with Jay, how he likes hooking up with his pillows. Yeah. Um... And, I mean, who doesn't? And now he's got two, and it was aggressively sexual. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> nearly crossed the line for me. Like, I loved all this humor, but I'm like, oh, this is getting a bit graphic. <laughs> what do you think, Em? <laughs> Dude, you got to stop talking while I have a drink. Like, if I'm picking up a drink, that's code for keep fucking talking. Right. So, um, <laughs> keep talking while I continue having my drink. Why are you me. drinking? Because I'm thirsty. All right. All right, well, now put it down now. What was your question? I wasn't listening. I was Other plot lines included Mulaney's character, Andrew? Yes. Yes. He's got a crush and he's going a bit crazy and it got a bit dark pretty quick. He mm. was very, um, he was interested in a girl and gets very jealous and gets very possessive and gets a bit crazy and it was very basement, shoot up a high school later vibes. Very, uh, what's that group of uh, discussing people called? Like Meninus, MRAs. No, not them. Um, incels. No, not them. But close enough. Um, it, I, I like that they did a good job of... The, okay, so there's a few things going on with Andrew here. First of all, it really highlights that whole nice guy entitlement. Yeah. Um, I do like that they also threw in that he's wearing a hat. Like he's doing yeah. that deliberate peacocking thing, which is um, one of those pickup artist... Um, cues, you know, wear a hat so you stand out. Like, how about just, you know, be yourself, kids. Anyway, um, so I like that they sort of threw that into sort of, you know, take the piss on um, on those two groups. So it really highlights not just the nice guy entitlement and also the uh, pickup artist industry, but it also shows a really interesting perspective of this like visceral urgency with dating in puberty because mm. he's just like, oh no, like. You're meant to be with me, and he just gets like really aggressive and creepy about it. Um, so it sort of highlights all these kind of things, which was um, really interesting, and if terrifying. Did you feel they pulled the punch a bit by sort of implying they showed his dad acting in a similar sort of way, and like, oh no, I'm just like my dad, and I felt like that pulled the punch a bit. Like, no, 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 you're being crazy. You can't just be like, oh, I got it from my father. Like it was a bit. No, you're crazy. You're a psycho. And I feel like they had to back it off a bit because he's one of the main characters. No, I don't think that. I think that was um, 
kind of interesting to see that he behaves in the same way. I think it maybe shows a secondary problem. I don't think that was saying that that's the reason. Like, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I don't dislike it. I'll put it that way. I thought it was fine. I didn't think that took away anything from the other message it was sending about, you know, the nice guy entitlement thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I did also like how... I didn't even picked that archetype until you described it the fedora wearing nice guy yeah, 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 yeah. I, I saw the like the traits but i didn't think oh yeah he's you know the nice guy i yeah. hold door open collect sex like yeah <laughs> uh, i like that that, that backfired terribly for him because it gave him like massive pussy blisters and everything <laughs> so that was great um i do like how I it did. sort of opened with the when harry met sally intro with the kids sitting next to the hormone monsters i thought that was really sweet <laughs> I've never seen them in Harry Met Sally. Oh, so you did. Is that how that starts? Uh, yeah, that's like... So that's, that was the interview thing. Yeah, a lot of parodies kind of um, uh, send okay. that up. It's See, like uh, 30 years old now. Yeah, I'm not, I have no intention of seeing it. Yeah. But I just thought that you would have figured Billy it out. Billy Crystal, and, Meg Ryan. And that's the other thing. They make a lot of Billy Crystal references in the episode too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was funny. It's like, mm. like, oh, your hat is amazing. You look like Billy Crystal. And girls love Billy Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. But it was really cute saying, like, you know, um, first of all, it's just adorable seeing, seeing them next to each other talking about, oh, this is how we met. And it was also a really interesting story about, because it's all, you know, like when they started puberty. Mm. And so that's, you know, how they met their hormone monster. Uh, so that was really sweet. I really liked that. That was great. And the other big plot line was Nick Kroll's character. Mm-hmm. What's the character's name? Nick. Hang on, then. Yeah, it's now. I have no reason for forgetting that. <laughs> And he's dealing with, he, as he's the youngest child, and he's dealing with um, starting puberty and separating. He's the youngest from, in his family. In, he's not necessarily the youngest in the grade. No, no, youngest in his family. Yeah. And a late bloomer, and dealing with the separation from the parents. Mm. Very similar to the dynamic in the Goldbergs with young yeah, Adam. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And... He's historically goes out on Valentine's Day with his parents and he's starting to rebel. Mm. And the impetus for all this, he's started puberty and he got Connie as his hormone monstrous. Mm. Now, if you watch the early seasons, Connie was... What's the girl's character's name? Jessie. Jessie. And is making her act out full of um, angst... And now it's on Nick, and Nick's doing it and rebelling against his parents. And I, mm. I just love the dynamic that once the hormone monstrous, once Connie's in your life, you get really angsty and mad and rebellious. And I mm. love it. it. cracks me up. What I really like about him having Connie is, uh, it's not something I, I would have at all predicted, but I love that it really shows that puberty is different for everybody. Like, he's going through some symptoms of puberty that other people haven't had um, and his friends sort of pick on him about it because, you know, kids are jerks and they can do that. Um, but I, I do like that it sort of sets this tone that, hey, if you don't get this thing happen to at puberty, you might have this thing and that's totally okay. And they talk about that later in the episode too, like, hey, it's totally fine to, you know, feel these things and act this way. Um, or, you know, respond this way rather than not act this way. Uh, respond this way, you know, it shows that you're sweet and you're this and you're that. Um, so I thought that was... Really nice. So that ties in more uh, about this thing we've talked about before, about how Netflix is sort of taking on this responsibility of being the new sex ed educators for young people today. Um, so I think that's a really important message to try to predict it, by the way. 
Yeah, well, I just told you we talked about that in the yeah, previous yeah. episode. But now there's other outlets talking about well, it. Well, yeah, well, I did. I shared an article on our Facebook page, if you haven't seen it, um, facebook.com forward slash good pop bad pop podcast. Um, I think by S- someone at SBS um, put that article out saying that they're taking that on, or like, oh, we've already talked about that. We're ahead of the curve. So, yeah, I really liked that they're doing that. And I really liked it as well with this episode, this double episode, how they really explored different kinds of love which we touched on a bit before but we're not just seeing people trying to get girlfriends and people trying to get boyfriends we're seeing um how parents love their kids and how kids love their parents or are trying to distance from their parents we see how some people are very anti-valentine's day and how that can manifest into new friendships like we see a great blossoming friendship between jesse and um matthew matthew yeah, yeah the um the gay kid in the show and they're both very sort of anti-Valentine's Day because Matthew can't get a date because he's the only out kid at school. And Jessie's feeling very rebellious because she's having trouble adjusting to her mum being in a same-sex relationship. And they form this um, this lovely friendship between them and they, they bond over that. Um, Had very um, difficult people vibes if you mm. watch that show with um, Billy Eichner and... What's the girl on that show called? I forget her name because I haven't seen her in anything else. Farm to table. <laughs> Farm to table. <laughs> but um, so it's the gay man it's and a joke the... on difficult people. If you're not sure what we're talking about, <laughs> and um, the Jewish girl, <laughs> and they're um just sassy and hate everyone. I don't know if she is Jewish. No, no, no. In difficult people. Oh, in difficult people. Okay, right. Yeah, sorry. And they're, they're sort of the start of that type of friendship. And mm. it, yeah, I liked it. Cracked me up. Mm, mm. Yeah, it was really good. So, um, were there any other relationships that were explored? There were the main ones. We talked about Andrew and Missy. Uh, there was a few side gags. Coach Steve dated chocolate. Yeah, dating inanimate objects. A, a, a theme in yeah. that show, it would seem. Yeah, Jay's one got aggressively sexual. <laughs> I couldn't it's deal. Funny. I couldn't deal with it by halfway through. It's on a quest to be the ultimate fuck machine. Um, <laughs> And I enjoy because it's sort of, like, if you dig into that a little bit, it's not only just talking about someone who might be bi and trying to navigate that relationship between dating multiple genders of people, but it can also be reflective of even trying to navigate polyamorous relationships and how that might work, trying to juggle dates and doing all that. Um, Because kids aren't really that into Google Calendar, so they probably haven't figured that out yet. Um, but yeah, there's lots of... Is that of... the solution to polyamory? A Google yeah, Calendar. Yeah, everyone's yeah. on Google Calendars, set your schedules. It's one you made up. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot in this episode. And this is the only episode... Well, because it's a double episode as well. It was so polarizing seeing everyone's such diverse experiences because we did check in with pretty much every character. Well, we did check in with every character on the show, um, which was great. And I think the only other episode where they've even done that or done anything close to that is the um the sleepover one at the school with the shame wizard mm-hmm. or shane lizard as you may know <laughs> depending who you are um so i loved it in total like i thought this was was great but either way like no matter what i was never going to be disappointed with a bonus episode of big mouth like it could yeah, be shit you, and i'd be like if you're into big yeah. mouth you're gonna love it yeah um, it's fantastic. Some, they, they took some of the stories in very dark directions andrew's one was particularly yeah, it was, it was compelling ooh, and it confronting. It was a bit much, and uh, I worry that that might turn people off the character yeah. as well. Um, but 
I, I am interested to see how they thread these webs through the following season. Like, is that what we're seeing? Is this a, a sneak peek of... Yeah, is Andrew going to shoot up a high school? Like? <laughs> I don't think he's going to shoot up a high school, but he might get a bit creepy. Uh, but I think... I can't remember. Did he, towards the end, did he realise he was being a massive Not joke? yet. He, he, well, he saw he was like, Oh, that's right. He had dad. a big embarrassing moment out the front of the party. Cause that he was tries hilarious. To the party. <laughs> he, just, like... he has a hissy fit in the rain and runs into things. And everyone's just watching him like, Why, do you, why did you run at the mailbox? Oh, yeah. What are you doing? It was, uh, well, it was good quality. Um, so, so I think it's important that they show that you know how sometimes you kind of want that thing to happen, but also don't do that because then you end up making a fool of yourself because you're a jerk, and then you'll just run to a mailbox. So don't do that. So that is our review of Big Mouth, My Fairy Valentine. Do you have any further thoughts on it? No, I think okay. we covered it all. Well, um, okay, after the break, um, I'm going to review DC's Titans on Netflix. Welcome back. Now, do you remember Batman vs Superman? I wish I didn't. Do you remember how the only good bit of Batman vs Superman is how Batman was super jaded and beating the piss out of everyone? Yes. That's what this show is. Fantastic. Are you going to tell us what the show is? Titans. <laughs> I said it before the break. Yeah, but I'm now, setting it up. Now it's after the break. You've got to tell us again because people will forget in those three seconds like I did. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> So, on Teen Netflix... Titans. No, not Teen Titans. Regular Titans. Regular Titans. Okay. So, this is the gritty reimagining of five years later after Teen Titans. Mm. I assume, just by basing on the age of some of them. Actually, is that... it like early Arrow? No, it's oh. not... Not early, early Arrow, but regular early Arrow. No. Angsty Arrow before, but, but post... It's very angsty. It's super angsty. Cool. So, okay... How did we get here? Titans first started appearing in comics in the 60s. It's famous for being the Teen Titans, the cartoon. Yep. And mostly is a team including the sidekicks or side characters. Yeah. It's the B team. The B team. And it's a hard needle to thread because Mm. you've got the shadow of all the bigger characters around. Yeah. And you've got to sort of have the characters do their own thing while addressing that the other characters exist. Um, So we have four leads. Mm -hmm. First one is Dick Grayson. Do you know who Dick Grayson is? No. Robin. Ah. Mark one. Ah. The first Robin. I see. Dick Grayson, he's the one who was an acrobat. All his parents died. Batman, Bruce Wayne adopts him. He gets trained to be the Robin. So he's now a young man Mm -hmm. and he's dealing with post-Batman life. He's left Gotham. Okay. And he's a cop. Yeah. Or a detective. Mm-hmm. And he's having issues with his identity. He's got hyper-violent mm-hmm. tendencies mm-hmm. and he's got a complex relationship. He's you know, wants justice and to punish the bad guys, but is also beating the snot out of everyone. And he's like, should I be this way? And that, that's his... Sounds th- very Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's his thread. The whole season is post-Batman life. You know, he's right. got the ever-present shadow of Batman over his mm. shoulder. Mm. Um... Next is Rachel Roth, mm-hmm. whose superhero is Raven. She's not oh, okay, yeah. referred to as Raven in the show. So she is a teen. She's a young girl. Mm-hmm. And she's been hunted by a shadowy organization mm-hmm. that has interest in her power, where she has some kind of... What's the organization? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. It was all a bit all over the place. I'll get to that. Um, and she's got, like, a demon in her that gives her mm-hmm. superpowers, and she's kind of really powerful but doesn't know how to kind of control it yet and people are interested in her and she's kind of on the run and Mm. the impetus of the story 
Then we have Gar, or Garfield, who's superhero, you'd know him as Beast Boy. Mm-hmm. He has spliced DNA, can turn into a tiger. Sweet. Green tiger. Awesome. Cool, that's interesting. Yeah, noms people. Yeah, cool. Also, Young, is a he is a teen in this one. Mm-hmm. And the fourth is Corey, who's the superhero Starfire, who's an alien visiting Earth, and but she has amnesia. We, she doesn't know why she's here. She gets pulled in and she's like, why am I here? Now, what this show is very interesting, there's a whole host of side characters and it jumps around timelines. And it's kind of addressing the young enthusiasm when you're a Teen Titan, yeah. where you start punishing bad guys and stuff and mm-hmm. everyone has their origin story. And mm-hmm. it jumps back to them of all different characters all the time. Oh, cool. And sort of deals with the consequences mm-hmm. of four years later. I think it's four years? Anyway, years later. So, one, we, I mentioned Dick Grayson's having issues. Uh, there's one, Hawk and Dove are in it. You'll love that because Hawk is played by Thad from Blue Mountain State. Oh! <laughs> and, Sold. Yeah. I'm there. And he's just a straight up vigilante punching people in the streets. And in the future, he is unwell. He has a million concussions. He has to take copious amounts of painkillers and he's unwell just because he's had the pulp beaten out of him for four years being a vigilante um and it explores these sort of ideas on what it means to be a superhero is it almost a bit like similar themes to the incredibles how it's kind of post superhero life different like different vibe obviously different vibe but but similar theme okay okay sort of exploring post more adult incredibles yeah Mm. post superhero life um, so each episode generally juxtaposes where they are now and what they were and whether they gained anything from being a superhero. Now, because they cram a lot into 12 episodes, mm. we have cameos, we have offshoots, we have one-offs, and it jumps all over the place. What do you mean by one-offs? Like a episode about one set of characters that you never see again. Oh, like a bottle episode. Yeah. Okay, right. And so I mentioned Hawk and Dove. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're into comics, half of these will sound familiar. You've got the Nuclear Family. Okay. Which was a, a, a set of assassins mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. inject drugs and beat up people. Sweet. Doom Patrol. Oh, yeah. Um, which I found out, I forget the character's name, but it was voiced by Brendan Fraser. Oh, cool. Yeah, so he's in it. Uh, Jason Todd makes an appearance. Do you know who Jason Todd is? No, it's familiar, but I can't... Robin Mark too. Ah. I always and... half know a Robin and Mark. Um. And Donna Troy. Do you know who Donna Troy is? Oh, um... No. Wonder Girl. Ah! Daughter of Wonder Woman. So knew that. God damn it. So she's buddies with... Um, Dick Grayson and they reminisce about the old days and talking about mom and dad <laughs> who's Batman and Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah. So, and jumps around, explores all these characters. There's a overarching story, but yeah. it's very light in this season, which was a bit of a bummer because they do a to be continued at the yeah. end of it once the plot actually kicks into gear. And it's like, well, you didn't really give me much of it during the season. But I find because uh, this is a is this a Netflix original? Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of their original uh, comic shows, actually, really, just any of their originals that are that are a big franchise, have problems with this because mm. I found that that happened with a lot of the Marvel ones, like 
Jessica Jones, uh, Daredevil not so much, but um, the other one. What was the other one? Blanky. Um, Luke Cage. Yeah, yeah, that, that one was awful for it. Well, we haven't seen Punisher, but yeah, Luke Cage was awful Iron for Fist. that. Defenders. Yeah, but we don't talk about those last two. <laughs> um, and also with like Star Trek Discovery, I found that ages for any kind of like overall plot to kick in. I think they have a big problem with big franchises and making an overarching plot. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, continue. Um, and that's the bulk of it without diving into the plot. Now, it's not really spoilers, but they dabble with a few of the famous comic books. One particularly good one was they fool around with Killing Joke. So oh, Killing cool. Joke was um, a controversial but yeah. important one mm, mm, mm. about the Joker. Yeah. And they sort of have some of those beats from Killing Joke sort of come up in time. So it jumps around between a lot of material. Mm. And the last episode is Bananas. <laughs> um, it's what? Bananas. Sorry, I've been listening to How Did This Get Made a lot, so I, I, I'm picking up Jason Mantazakis's <laughs> cadence <laughs> for reviewing things. And, and how does he say it? Bananas. <laughs> it is bananas. <laughs> I love it whenever you do his voice, it's the best. Um, no, sorry, go on. What are we even talking about? <laughs> yeah, so the last episode is the best episode, mm. and I can't tell you a single thing in it because you just have to be surprised by oh, it. Right. But it is fantastic. And uh, to be honest, I was sort of on the fence because the main story didn't move along, but that last mm. episode was so good it kept me on. Okay. But. They they made it and they knew it was the best episode, mm. so I sort of don't like that they held that to the end. Yeah. And then did a big two be continued. So if you like the gritty sort of side of superheroes, yeah. this is great. Exploring the macro view of vigilante justice. Mm. This is great. There's a lot of appearances and references to more obscure characters. That's always fun. Yeah, so if you're into it, like I'm not, but I read up on most of them mm. just to get sort of the macro view of it. Yeah. And I quite liked a few of them. Um, yeah, pretty good. Okay. It's not funny. It's very dark and gritty. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I'd recommend it if like it's, you know exactly what it is. You know you're going to watch it or not. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's DC's then, uh, DC's. Marvel Netflix shows, but dialed up to 11. <laughs> Interesting. Cool. Everything's like everything else. It's all been done. Well, yeah. If you That's don't, true. if you just want a taste of awesomeness, just watch the last episode. It doesn't even need context. Just <laughs> watch episode 12 for the, the wild ride alternate reality nonsense. Ooh, alternate reality, you say? Oh, sort of. It's like, it's hard to explain without ruining it. Mm. But that's titans on netflix fantastic i'd probably lean towards watching it it is a lot 12 times an hour so you gotta put some time in but mm. yeah i'd back it up all right reckon you might watch it yeah i think i probably will i've got a lot of time on my hands right now <laughs> okay after the break em's gonna hit us with a classic would you say uh, uh well we'll see all right Welcome back, friends. Hello, Upper East Siders. It is time to talk all things Gossip Girl. Now, is this going to be spoilers? What, what, what are you going to I'm, tell us? <laughs> I'm going to call this a semi-spoiler cast. So, for a lot of it, I don't mention names. 
Um, I won't be saying who Gossip Girl is. So this this show finished uh, only five years ago. So um, not everyone has seen it. But also I just didn't, I just didn't really want to do a spoiler cast about it. Because I think this show is more fun to talk about anonymously in the spirit of Gossip Girl. X-O-X-O. Now you've seen some Gossip Girl, haven't you? I watched maybe up to halfway through season two on the original run. So, you know, ten years ago. Okay. Um, yeah, didn't have the heart of the OC, so I didn't stick with it. Mm-hmm. Very true. So, um, this is a, you know, teen drama series uh, by Josh Schwartz, who has famously done OC and more recently and continually running uh, Runaways. And Chuck. Uh, and Chuck. Mm. forgot about Chuck. Um, Runaways has got another season, didn't it? Still yeah, just did it second. Yeah, great. Okay, cool. So if you do love uh, the back catalogue of him, you can continue or start watching Runaways. Um, now, this show started immediately after the cancellation of the OC. Ah. So OC went until 07. This started in 07. So he um, went from West Coast to East Coast. So it's pretty much... It kind of starts off as the East Coast OC. And I think that's how it was originally marketed. Um, I don't know for sure because I don't remember it. But... Um, that's pretty much what it's about, and it's looking at similar things. Rich people in the fancy part of New York. Um, so we're looking at Upper East Siders of Manhattan. It it doesn't have the humour of the OC. Like there was, like you said, there's a lot of heart in the OC, which is a bit absent. In um... well, the OC had cold opens, and most of them were hilarious. Yeah, that's true. They were just having breakfast and would just spit one-liners at each other. Like, I can't imagine any of that happening in Gossip Girl. Yeah. Maybe from Uncle Jesse. Well. What's Uncle Jesse's actual name? I just remember him being an Uncle Jesse clone. I don't even know who you're talking about. The Humphreys' dad. Oh, Mr. Humphreys. Yeah. Yeah, I forget his name. Mr. Humphreys. Uncle Jesse. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to say Mr. Humphreys. (laughs) Who remembers Full House? Not me. All right. So I don't know what you're on about. Anyway. um, So. Wait, wait, wait. Ah. (laughs) <laughs> we'll come back to that. I didn't watch Full House, didn't like it, I thought it was shit. I said it, putting it out there. I mean, it. that's like saying the Brady Bunch is shit. I like the Bradys, didn't like Full House. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> we talk about Jesse. gossip, yeah. Um But speaking of um, hilarious breakfast moments in the OC, I did see a little bit of that in the Humphrey household yeah. um, in, in, uh, in Gossip Girl. So that that was a little bit like oh it was a nice moment because we're currently still rewatching the OC um, when when everything else is crap so I did enjoy a bit of that uh, I did find that that also sort of phased off after a while um, for plot reasons they end up moving in with other people and farewell fun Humphreys breakfasts um, now this show is different to the OC and that it's just everybody backstabbing everybody all the time. So, um, as the as it implies, it's about Gossip Girl. So, people, you know, spy on other people. They send in their tips to Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl outs everyone for whatever they're doing. What's also really creepy is that Gossip Girl has, like, a map and where people are. So, if someone's trying to find their friend, I mean, they didn't have Snapchat then to have the Find My Friend filter on. And so, they're just this little, like, Gossip Girl map with people's faces on it, whereabouts they are currently. I'm like, that is creepy as hell. So, it's... Gossip Girl since rebranded to Google. Maybe. Maybe that's what the G is for. <laughs> yeah, it's Gossip like Google, Google Girl. Yeah. Yeah, so um so so that the thing that is difficult to watch about this show is you can't 
just have it on in the background because if you're looking away or you're looking at your phone you can look back up at the screen and someone is already sleeping with someone else and you're like oh shit when did that happen what's going on like it is not uncommon to see someone sleep with two different people in one episode and not because they're um you know they're they're fun and outgoing it's because like it's always someone cheating on someone else like that's just how much this happens in this show phrases that you will hear in this very so just does that mean they looked at the oc and went let's make every character julie cooper yeah basically (laughs) yeah it's it's just a show of julie cooper's um and serena is very much like marissa serena is the uh the golden girl of gossip girl she's the the girl next door everybody wants which means just she is fucking boring (laughs) Um, she's got no personality. She's very entitled. Everything's me, me, me. Takes no responsibility. It's awful. Um, so she, like Marissa, is um, very dull. Uh, and unfortunately, she did not die in a car crash. Like Marissa did. Spoilers, Spoilers. for the um, I'm not up to it yet. It <laughs> seemed like four times. So good. <laughs> um, so the thing with Gossip Girl is that it is very melodramatic and very incestuous. Some phrases that you will hear during Gossip Girl, uh, at least every two episodes, are things like, it all went according to plan, or I can't believe you did that, or someone sleeping with someone else's partner, or dad, or mum, or relative. Or both. Or both. Um, Yeah, so pretty much, like I said, Serena is shit, everyone is shit. The most endearing character is Dan who, as you described, is like if Seth Cohen and Ryan from the OC had a love child. <laughs> yeah. He's like a little bit funny and he's laid back and he's he's the real outsider because um, he's from Brooklyn, and a whole 15 minutes away from the Upper East Side. And Nate is if Luke and Ryan had a baby. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Nate is also probably the other most boring person. On this show, so it would have been nice if Serena and Nate got married and then well, it's because his, his, his name's Nate. Like they didn't even give him a full name, much less a full story. <laughs> it's like Nate. Pause, because like where's where's the rest? It's Archibald. Is it Archibald? Yes. How is Nate short for Archibald? It's Nate Archibald. That's his, his last name. name. Yes. That's that's the wankiest character name I've ever heard. Nate Archibald. What's even worse is that his surname is um, sewn into a label in all of his shirts in a very wanky font. Nate Archibald. Just Archibald. <laughs> the phone number. Because isn't Nate meant to be short for Nathaniel or something? Yeah. Nathaniel Archibald. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a very Na- white Upper East Side <laughs> name, isn't it? Vito. That's, that's <laughs> the worst. Um, it but- ain't no Chuck Bass. <laughs> oh, oh, look, I've got a whole thing to say about Chuck Bass. So um, what's funny about Nate and why he sucks is <laughs> is that um, it's, it's very meta because towards the end of the show, or end-ish, mid-end, um, Dan writes a book about what it's like trying to get in with the with the Upper East Side. It's called Inside. And he he merges Nate with another character. And it's very funny because it's sort of it's, it's very meta, making fun of the fact that Nate's very boring, and I don't think people really like him. Um, and on that meta note, I do like how in the last, I think, last season or the last two seasons, there's these two younger girls who sort of appear at parties all the time, freaking out like, "Oh my god, I thought you would end up with this person," and they're very clearly the fandom, like the voice of the fandom. <laughs> and I really like when a show does that. Like, I know it's a little bit fourth wally and a little bit wanky, but I like it. I think it's good fun. Um, so... And they've done that. He's messed with that before because of, mm. um, 
that show that shares the universe, The Hills. Oh, oh The Valley. The Valley, that yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah, so in both the OC and in the first season of, or the second season of Gossip Girl, uh, everybody's watching the show The Valley. Yeah, which is like a in-universe representation of the OC yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, um, but later in Gossip Girl, they're then watching Jersey Shore, so they both got the licensing for that and made a more <laughs> East Coast relevant uh, show, which is just... But that's a real show. That's not funny. Yeah. Well, I guess The Valley must have gotten cancelled after that long. <laughs> after, after Marissa left. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Um, so, one thing that is a bit annoying, though, about this show is because it's so incestuous, the plot is also incestuous. It gets really recycled... It's just the same things happening over and over again to slightly different people, or the same people, and so it gets a bit boring sometimes for that. Now, the first season sucked. It was terrible. I struggled to get through it, but I thought, I've got literally nothing else to do with my life right now, so I persevered. Um, Seasons two to four were the best for me. Season five dropped off a bit, and six was all right. Uh, Five was definitely the worst. Like, nothing happened at all. You could probably just skip it, to be honest. Um... Well, a big thing kind of happens, I guess, but it was just lame. Now, the first episode I really struggled with because straight away um, this show becomes very dated because they, they show um, everybody's favorite character by the end, Chuck Bass, is a blatant rapist. <laughs> like, blatant. He's there sexually assaulting girls at parties. and Everyone's just like, yeah, it's cool. Says Chuck, don't worry about it. I'm like, um, excuse me. I, will, I would like to worry about it. What is wrong with people? <laughs> um, and it does... They do sort of address it a little bit later. Uh, he does get into some trouble for that, which is good. Not nearly enough, because I'm pretty sure he pays off the people to be quiet. And um, there is just no way you could run that show now. Mm. Even just... Um, it wouldn't really have been started 12 years ago. Um, but, yeah, there's no way how you could do that now. Um, what was very interesting, because I decided immediately, obviously, that he was the worst and that I hated him. Um, however, they do sort of... Do they even change his character a bit? I don't know. Probably not. But there is a very endearing love story between him and Blair, which goes on through the entire show of The but Will They, like Won't They. they're the worst two characters. They are. And because Blair was my other most hated character in the first season, um, but they... And uh, two wrongs make a right, T. I don't know what to tell you. Because Blair's like Summer with no charm. Mm. Or Marissa without any social graces. Like, I just hated Blair front to back. Yeah. I don't know. She's like a fungus, man. <laughs> they both grow on you. And Chuck uh, Bass, like... So, as I said, I watched the first season and there was Chuck Bass and he was like the broody whatever and that was fine. And then I drop in and you're in season six and Chuck Bass has become a character caricature of that description of the first season <laughs> he's just become more broody and angsty is like eating lemons like it's just like like oh, the whole if, time if you oh yeah that's the other thing that bothered me about him he just looks like he's sucking on a lemon the whole time um but yeah like i said like it's it's not that i like those characters individually but just together they can die on the same plane crash uh, no <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about the will they weren't their story between Chuck and Blair. Like I, I remember I, I messaged my my cousin who really loved the show. And I'm like, I'm watching this show. I hate it. And she's like, No, no, it's the best. And I was like, I don't know, man. These characters are all bullshit. I hate them. It's awful. And then within 48 hours, I sent her another message saying, If Chuck and Blair don't end up together, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> like it was just, I got so invested 
in their potential relationship. Um, I just became all about them. So for me, the show was worth watching purely just because I loved watching the... the... Is this the friend that didn't like the OC, though? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I just really enjoyed their, like, raw passion. There's just such a magnetism between the two of them that is just so undeniable, and I, I just... I lived for it. I lived for it. I shipped it. I shipped it hard. Now, I'm going to give you some anonymous plot points talking about the the melodramaticism of this program. Actually, we should have a game called Gossip Girl or OC and just throw out random plot lines. Yeah, but I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I'm not prepared for that. So here are some anonymous plot points about Gossip Girl. Someone has a mystery cousin who's not really their cousin and then sleeps with their stepdad and then their actual dad. Alrighty. Anonymous plot one. Anonymous plot two. Someone's parent is allegedly dead, but then isn't dead and isn't really the person that they say they are, and then is, but then they go away, and then someone else turns out to be that person's parent, but isn't actually their parent. Oh, and then they also sleep with the best friend of the child of said alleged parents. Actual plot. Can I weave in other plots, random plots from the OC, while we're playing this game? No, because that's the only two I have. Oh, alright. Someone being blackmailed for being in a porn movie called The Porn Identity Similar plot point. <laughs> Someone gets blackmailed for a snuff film that they make. Whoa! That took a dark turn. So Gossip Girl's years, he's turned up to 11, even in the comparative plot points. Um, but the porn identity. She has amnesia. It works on so many levels. That was also very good. Um, the, the actual end of Gossip Girl, like the last or second last episode, was a bit weird, like the big thing that happens before the big reveal of who Gossip Girl is, um, the big thing that happens, it was very Lion King. And so because of that, I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> Couldn't stop laughing. Like there's someone all like clinging on the edge of a, of a building or a cliff face or whatever it is. And I'm just like, <laughs> long live the king, man. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, probably wasn't meant to be. So uh, is it worth watching is the big question that we have here. Um, I don't know, and well, if you don't already know who Gossip Girl is, it's fun to watch for that, but if you do already know, if you already know who Gossip Girl is and you watch it from the start, like, it's kind of obvious, like, there's a scene about, about 30 seconds in where they kind of incidentally show it, and you're like, huh, that's, that's interesting. And there's a couple of moments where when I was watching through, I was like, how did other people not figure this out? Uh, but again, is it worth watching? Don't know. I still honestly cannot tell anyone if it's worth watching. If Watch you... the OC instead. Well, I mean, look, if we got to rank them, obviously, <laughs> the OC, then Chuck, then Gossip Girl. But if you're really into those excessively melodramatic teen shows, then you'd probably love it. Um, if anything, watch it for the, the Blair and, and Chuck relationship because, oh, that magnetism. Is there another love like it? I don't know. So that is my review for Gossip Girl. Do you know what we're going to be doing in our next episode? I've mostly Anything, uh, coming up in the next up week to my list. Um, I want to watch Crank too. Yuck! And is there anything about the movies? No. Oh yeah, there is. Um, the Lego Movie, the second part, is out. I'm very is it out out? Yeah, it's out out with. Pratt and Banks. Yeah. Huh. Well, I see that I feel like that should have been bigger news. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you now. 
Let's go. Why are we still sitting here? Let's go see it. There's a big Marvel run coming up starting in March. Uh, Captain Marvel followed by Avengers Infinity War 2, followed by Spider-Man. Mm. So that'll be a big three months. Um, I think they're about to announce the name of the new Star Wars movie. People really care about the name of the Star Wars movies. It's really weird. Well, it's fandoms for you. But I mean, like, the names are so vague. What, like, The Last Jedi. Mm. Like, <laughs> the Phantom Menace. Mm. Like, what, yeah, well. what, what are you going to... Well, because then you can pull it apart and try to figure out what it's about or something, uh, I guess. Overanalysis before the movie is killing movies. Yeah, well, that's the age we're <laughs> Saying that as we just break down Gossip Girl. <laughs> I went, look, there are two kinds of people. <laughs> um, are we going to do this for the OC one day? We can do this for the OC one day. We can do this for the OC every day. I have a lot to say about the OC. Let's just make a second podcast about the OC. Oh, it could be called... No. <laughs> good I'm story. To, I'm trying to think of a good pop, bad pop, spliced with OC thing. What's the ice cream that they eat that's not called ice cream? What? Right, as a whole thing with Marissa about, well, they don't call ice creams ice creams because they just called the name of that particular ice cream. I don't remember that plot line. Yeah. Maybe I need to start from the beginning again. Yeah, I guess so. Back to the OC. Um, I myself plan on watching um, the two shows I've been looking forward to that are coming out on Stan, I think, in the next week or at least in the next two weeks, which is um, Penis Pen. and... I thought it was Pen15. Well, it depends how you want to say it. Um, so that show and also, um... Something Garden Angels or something? Not that, but I think it's the one you're thinking of. I forget what it's called. I talked about it last episode. Yeah, it's episode. got Bushimi and Radcliffe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm keen for both of those. So I'll be on the stand this week. So until our next episode, um, catch us on our socials at Twitter, goodpop underscore badpop. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash goodpopbadpoppodcast. As always... Comment, subscribe, like, love us, send us a message, send us some good vibes, and we will see you next time. Peace.